0: Good afternoon, Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports. Ready to get things underway. Pod number 13. Coming up, a couple Nates and a mic. USA Today's all knowing Nate Davis. He has released his NFL schedule predictions. I'll tell you how I think he did. And then we'll get to Nate Burleson from Good Morning Football. He talked about the Lions' identity. I'll get you some of that sound. But right now, I'm lucky here on pod number 13 to talk with a longtime broadcaster, Mike Wickett, who joins us here. Mike, how are you?
1: Very, very good to talk with you, Dennis. I'm glad to hear the podcast is going well. Me? I'm busy. I'm tired. I I, I put my career on hold for a bit to be a stay-at-home dad, but it's always good to talk with uh, a longtime friend.
0: Well, I, I know you, you've got your hands in a lot of things. You did radio for so long, and you, I still see the podcasting there. So, uh, I, I, you know, sports, politics, you've you, taking care of babies. You, it seems like you do still have your your hands in everything.
1: <laughs> um, I, and it's, it's funny. Like, my, my wife asked me, you know, why don't you nap during the day or, you know, whatever. And I just don't know if I have that in me, like. I don't think I have it in me to say, all right, I get, you know, I stay at home with the three kids when they're all taking a nap. I don't think I have it in me to say, all right, I'm just going to go not do something for an hour. Like I need to find stuff to do in my downtime, which is very limited. And and that's why I do a couple of podcasts. That's why I'm all over social media. That's why, uh, you know, I I have time to to talk with you. I, I don't think I have a down button. I used to, but I don't think I do anymore.
0: I'll tell you what. You have to know your strengths and your weaknesses. Uh, I would certainly be able to take an hour off and go right down. Man, that would be me. <laughs> that could happen. So, I, I think that's both a that's both a You know, that's both a strength and a weakness there, being able to sleep on command. But uh, that's a that's a long story for another time. Now. Is it accurate to say that you've had a, a third of your life in Michigan where you grew up and then a third of your life you went on to, to do radio in Wisconsin, and then now you're, you're what, in Missouri, right? So that's kind of a, almost a third of your life, too? Actually,
1: um, in December of 2019, we moved from, we were in Kansas, but Kansas City's on the border of, of Missouri and Kansas. Okay. Uh, actually, I now live, I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, because oh. my wife got a job as program director at a radio station in her hometown. She's from Des Moines. She went to I- a college at Iowa State. Uh, her family is still here in Des Moines. So when the opportunity came up, and, and we figured out that she could support the two of us, and actually the five of us, uh, we moved up to Des Moines in, uh, in December after spending three, no, check that, four, almost four and a half years in the Kansas City area. Three of those in, uh, in Missouri, one of those years in Kansas. Uh, when I was working for a, a news talk station, KMBZ in Kansas City.
0: Well, so uh, how's that when the the Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year? That was it close enough. Now I was not. Uh, you, you still have some some um, you know some some fandom there, at least some some interest, rooting interest in Kansas City.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, of all the NFL teams, I think that being in Des Moines, I think that yeah. is a, I think the closest NFL stadium to Des Moines is in fact Arrowhead. It's three hours, it's a little further to get to Minneapolis. It's further than that to get to Chicago to Soldier Field, and it's even further, obviously, to Lambeau. Then um, I, I, I think there are more Chiefs fans here, so it was kind of it was kind of bittersweet. You know, we move up here, and and I wouldn't call myself a Chiefs fan, but I all my friends in Kansas City were all Chiefs fans, and I had done some pre and post game coverage for the Chiefs. Uh, the first year Mahomes started, not the second year when they went on to win the Super Bowl. So I got close to, you know, some of the members of the media and a lot of the Chiefs fans. And when they went on to the Super Bowl, we were watching it from our place here in Des Moines, and it was like, oh, this is kind of bittersweet. I would have loved to have been in Kansas City while that was going on and the parade and all that, uh, but I wasn't. <clears throat> I was up here in Des Moines where there are a lot of Chiefs flags, a lot of Viking flags, a lot of Packers flags. But it's really strange, Dennis. You know, I grew up in the Detroit area and working with you in Ann Arbor and then listening to you guys in, uh, in Detroit all the time. It's so strange, though, to go to Wisconsin and Milwaukee where it was always Bucks, Brewers, and Packers, and then, you know, pro teams in Kansas City and the Royals and the Chiefs. Kevin's not lived near a pro team in a long time because there's not much here, you know, if you're not a fan of Iowa or Iowa State, there's no pro sports, so it's weird to see who all the allegiances are. Whether it's Chicago teams, Minnesota teams, or Kansas City teams.
0: Well, one thing you have, you have Kirk Ferentz. Like he's the he's the, the, the you know the, the constant, right?
1: It's so weird, D. I mean, you know how it is. Like if it Kirk Ferentz is a god in this state. Like even even if you're an Iowa State fan, you still respect Kirk Ferentz. And the guy wins seven games a year. I mean, I can't, can't, it it blows my mind, like as a Michigan, like I understand if you're a Michigan State fan, seven, eight wins, that's big. But If you're a Michigan fan or you're an Ohio State fan or whatever, and your coach wins seven or eight games a year and once in a while wins 10 or 11, that coach doesn't last very long, but here in Iowa, the bar is set so low that. If the basketball team gets to the Sweet 16, it's a tremendous year. If the football team plays in a New Year's Day Bowl, Iowa, or God forbid, Iowa State actually do it, it's so strange to me that, that to have that standard lowered because I grew up a Michigan fan, and it was the Rose Bowl is our birthright. Now, they don't go to that anymore. That's an old that's an old, old way of thinking. But it's just so strange that, that that's where Iowa fans are at. I mean, Kirk yeah, Ferris, great coach from the Iowa standard. Have a lot of good kids, you know, all the cliches, but they don't, they don't do anything that matters very often in the big 10 and, and in the big 10 West.
0: Well, there it is. There's the wicked. I know five and a half minutes into this <laughs> pot. He, he took a shot at Michigan state. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I, you know, I should have put an over and under on it. I was thinking it would have been, uh, you know, like three minutes, but you know, five and a half. So, you know, you've matured over the years, you know, before you take a shot at Michigan state. So uh, working backwards a little bit, one more thing uh, on Mahomes. So the, the, the first year he only plays that final game. He comes in after the Chiefs already clinched the the playoff spot. They have Alex Smith, who's a pretty good quarterback. But but was there there was I don't know, like grumblings or whatever you would say talk behind the scenes that oh yeah, just wait for this guy. I mean, when did you know Mahomes was like you know really going to be something special?
1: Well, I if, if there was a uh, when the whole trade went down. And people, there was a faction of fans that were very upset because it was, who's this rookie kid? He's done one game. He's only played in the one game against Denver. And Alex Smith was the most efficient quarterback in the league that year. I think he was 22-4 or something along those lines, touchdowns to interceptions. And to get rid of a Pro Bowl, also Pro quarterback, he's ludicrous. So everybody had to have faith in Andy Reid. And there was one particular play against the Atlanta Falcons in a preseason game where Mahomes threw the ball like, 67 yards in the air, and he hit Tyree Kill for a touchdown. And at that moment, they're like, "Wow, this kid is electric. This kid has the arm. He has the accuracy. He threw a ton of interceptions when he was a Texas pet, but he also threw all 60 times a game. So that was, you know, that that wasn't too shocking if you look at it. He also threw a lot of touchdowns, and after he came out, that first game was starting at six touchdowns and maybe. It was second week you're like okay this is real momentum started building people started believing the alex smith fans also had for my fans and and just that first year as a full-time starter i mean it was like my god that the the chiefs were right to run and then they got a a good cornerback in the the trade as well who wound up helping them for a couple of seasons but God, they made the right move. That's what all these teams in, in NFL are looking at: to green bay packers who draft the Jordan Love kid, they find the next young stud quarterback for a lot of and ship the all pro out of town and save a lot of money. Like I think the Chiefs in this copycat league, that's what I think a lot of teams are looking to do right now: is to try to cash on the young stud early money so you don't have to pay the big the big contract to try to win a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, well, there's a lot there. You know, I remember tweeting about when I knew the Lions were picking third. I would go back, and I I looked how old. I think Alex Smith was, uh, you know, 32, 33 years old. And then, you know, here was Kansas City, you know, going to the draft and moving up in the first round when I'm sure everybody there was screaming defense, and that's what a lot of Lion fans were thinking. With a 32-year-old Matt Stafford, I was saying, hey – if there's a quarterback there, then and you have a chance to pick him, you could now circumstances it ended up being where, you know, Tua wasn't able to have a pro day and you know, you don't know if he was damaged goods, so it it would have been a, a it would have been a gamble anyways, but it would have been a super gamble for the Lions. But you know what, when I think about uh, Aaron Rodgers, I was surprised a little bit when when you're that close and I don't know, like they made the NFC Championship game I know they got blown out but I look at it like, you know, in baseball, when you have the, the prospects and you're, you're close to feeling like you can win a World Series, well, then you, you sell the farm. You sell your top prospects, and you get a veteran player in there. In football, like with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, I'm thinking, hey, this is where you're close, and it's kind of in reverse. You know, you're, you're not taking a, a prospect that's going to help you in 2021. You're looking for somebody that's going to help you next year. So I was a little bit surprised on the selection of Love.
1: I just don't understand. I mean, and, and I'll, we'll find out obviously in a couple of years. But I have a lot of fans and friends up in Green Bay and in Wisconsin and Milwaukee that are just you know split. It's definitely a fifty-fifty thing. Half the fans understand it. Half the fans don't. I look at the NFL draft. I mean, you don't draft for the next year for the most part. I mean, if they drafted Tua. Tua's is not going to win you twelve games in Miami next year, uh, no matter who they take. If they take the linebacker Queen out of LSU, that wound up going the next pick to the Ravens. That guy's not going to close the gap between you and San Francisco. But the Packers made their acquisitions in the offseason. They added Devin Funches to the wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. He bounces back off an injury. That's an upgrade. They stole Ricky Wagner from the Lions, who had a dow year last year. If he's adequate, that's fine. And then they added linebacker Christian Kirksey. But the most important thing for the Packers, looking at that MSP title game, is what did they do in year number two under Matt LaFleur? They didn't have all the right parts in the first year, and Rodgers and company still won 13 games. Now, were they the second-best team in the NFC? I don't know. They got to the NFC title game. They hosted uh, a playoff game. They swept the NFC North. They upgraded at several places. And, and, and they're expecting guys to step up and play bigger next year. I think the pick was smart. I, I really do. And how I know that Jordan Love pick was really a good pick, social media hated it. So as long as fans hate it, then I know that the Packers knew what they were doing.
0: Well, I'm on that, that other 50% with those 50% of your fans and, and friends that uh, was, was questioning it. That, that'd be radio gold. You know, I, I know that. It's, it's going to be. Uh, I, oh, knew- I, mean,
1: you, I mean, think about think about where we're at right now with the pandemic and sports talk. I mean, Chicago sports radio was handed the last dance. And, and Wisconsin sports radio was handed Jordan Love. Like, you could milk those two topics in those two different cities. Green Bay, Wisconsin, Milwaukee radio, they'll be able to milk the NFL draft until maybe we get baseball back in July. <laughs> well,
0: you know, Mike, I'm interested, uh, you know, you start talking about programming and radio, you and I, uh, I, I uh, well actually you started like your radio career in high school, I remember you used to you know, prop it up with, uh, what was it, Canton High School Radio, like you, you were loyal to those yeah, guys. Yeah, so I remember, yeah. I, remember yeah. You, I remember you talking about them, you, you come into to WTKA and you know you're you're very opinionated. And I was telling you, "Hey, let's concentrate more on sports history." And you're like, "No, let's have strong opinions on the team right now." And I'm like, "You don't know what you're talking about." And they're like, "You don't." And then uh, people enjoyed that back and forth. I have to tell you that, you know, you you after all these years were right about the opinions on the team rather than going back in the history. So, you know, nice job on that, but I'm I'm interested to hear uh, over the years you've had probably lots of program directors and I know you and I you and I shared one in McGuire, who was really a proponent like of Jim Rome, he used to say, Jim Rome scripts his entire show, write out every single thing that you're going to say, that's what wins. And then uh, you know, I-, I look at some of the other, I've been listening to a different podcasts like uh, Joe Rogan or Bill Simmons, and these guys get on there and say, hey, I don't have anything in front of me. I, I don't even know. I I just let it fly. And I'm like, wow, that's those two... Big time different uh, approaches there. I'm interested to hear from you. Like, uh, how did you approach it? Were you a real script guy or did you just let it fly?
1: Um, I was a basic outline guy. You know? Um, you know, Ryan McGuire, our program director, he was a micromanager. Like, that was his thing. He liked to tweak every little thing and have his hand in every, every little bit that he could. And it won him in a bunch of different markets. My next program director in Milwaukee, his name was Tom Parker. And Tom had been all over, especially the eastern half of the country, and he was more of a "You guys do whatever you want to do. If I have to reel you in, I will." And then my program director in Kansas City was more along those lines too. It was, "Listen, you guys know what you're supposed to be talking about. If I hear something I hate, I'll tell you about it. Uh, but as long as you guys don't screw anything up, you don't lose the license. You entertain. Like whatever works for you works for you." And I, that actually worked more for me, I think, the older that I got because you kind of know, like. I mean, Dennis, you know, being in Detroit, you're, you're, you're focusing on Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Red Wings, and then you branch out, you get to the, the college sports. I, and I think the invention of social media, I know it's got a lot of negative aspects, but if I see what's trending, and I'm working in Milwaukee, and I see Ryan Braun's name is trending, and I see, uh, for whatever reason, Chris Middleton's name is trending, and I see Buck's trade is trending, I know that's what people are going to be talking about, and that's what your show should be focused on. It, it should. You can have your little, you know, three minute bit on how you want to talk about the Amtrak that takes you from, uh, you know, Ann Arbor to Chicago, and the funny thing that you saw. That's fine, but when you're programming, when in my mind, when you're outlining a radio show, if they're talking about it, you should be talking about it. If you're, you know, if, if Stephen Northville is driving to his nine to five that he hates, and he hits you for twenty five minutes. That, then you should be talking about what he cares about. He probably doesn't care about that Amtrak ride all that much, but he cares about that Pistons trade. He cares about what's going on. He, he hates his nine to five. His wife and kids are bitching all the time, whatever. But if you're talking about Lions football, even if it's, you know, July, he probably still cares about that. And you don't need to script everything out. I think more, to me, more of a general, organic conversation comes across as more genuine. And, and I think the listener appreciates that.
0: I like it. I think, uh, you know, if the the podcast and stay at home family, if that stuff's not working, out, I think you can land a job as a program director. It reminded me, I had a guy who was a 25 years of legend in Philadelphia named Tom Bigby, and he came in and he would micromanage so much where he would stand outside the window when you were broadcasting. He would If he didn't like what you were talking about, he would bang on the window. He would throat slash. He would call the, the hotline. You'd see the red light. Going oh, in the background, it was like wow. I remember picking it up one time in a break, and he's like, "What the hell are you talking about? What's what's around the horn? What are you going around the horn for?" I said, "Yeah, but you know what, Tom? I did you hear how I went right to the caller after they said no? Everybody hung up, like everybody changed the channel, like I did, and, I, and he hung up. I was like, <laughs> All right, <laughs> he was he was something else, man. He was on top of you constantly. He he was he was uh what, he was And I don't know if if
1: when you're if you're a broadcaster if you're air talent. You know, and then I don't know, Tom, um, but I don't know if in the middle of the show coming up to you and telling you you're doing something terrible or doing a throat slash or hotlining somebody. Like my wife's a program director and she'll hear something on her morning show that she doesn't like or whatever. She'll tell me, but she'll never call her, her morning show in the middle of it. Cause I think it throws you off. your. Did it ever throw you off your game?
0: Well, he did it to everybody. I mean, he was consistent, so it wasn't like it was just me. No. <laughs> and, you know, he, he really, what he wanted you is just uh, to, to value every single second while you're on there and making sure that, you know, you were just, you know, staying focused and, and trying to talk about what people wanted to hear, like you were saying. So, yeah, you know what? I went to extreme to extreme when some of those PDs, then you're sitting around. And it's like, wow. Uh, then you'd have one that was like way too laid back, or one that was like Tom. So, you know, you you work through all of those. I'd be interested. Uh, you know, you've you've been now you're in a in Des Moines, which is uh, all Iowa Hawkeyes. If you know Kansas, you had the pros. You had the Packers and the Badgers, and in Ann Arbor, you know you you had the Wolverines, and you still had, you know, the the Detroit sports there. How um, if we take it to to Green Bay there? How is it different? You know, the Packers, of course, had success, but when you you, you kind of compare it to the Detroit market to being in Wisconsin. What was that like?
1: Michigan and Wisconsin, just the states generally are, are, are fairly similar. You know you, you Detroit and Milwaukee they all have they both have their, their issues. Um, they both have their segregation issues. they both have their political issues. But when it comes to the sports, uh, those Milwaukee love. Uh, their teams, the Wisconsinites love their teams, just like Michiganders do. I mean, Detroit sports fans love the Lions. They absolutely love the Pistons, and opening day is a holiday. Same thing in Milwaukee. Like, opening day for the Brewers, when it's just as cold, if not colder, in Milwaukee than it is in Detroit. And once you get to spring, under normal times, you know, it's Miller Park is a party, just like uh, Comerica Park is a party. And you can talk Lions football. 365 days a year, just like you can talk Green Bay Packers football, 365 days a year. I I think there's so much similarity between the two states. And I don't know if either state really wants to hear that because I think each state looks down upon the other, but there's a lot of similarities between the two and the passion. The difference is, um, you know, I, I talked about here in Iowa, the bar is not set very high for Iowa football in Wisconsin. You know, as up until the end of the Bo Ryan era when they actually went to back-to-back Final Fours. And you know now under uh, Greg Gard, the expectation is to get to another Final Four and eventually break that glass ceiling. I think for the Badger football team, you know, Gary Alvarez established that in the 90s and then into the 2000s before Brett Bielema took over. It was run first. It was road graders. It was you know go to a Rose Bowl every now and then. And I think Badger fans, They see that now as they keep getting the Big Ten title game you know, because the the Big Ten West is so weak. They keep getting the Big Ten title game, and they get curb stomped by Ohio State every single year. They just can't quite punch through. So I think from the college level, they want to elevate their expectation to where it is in Ann Arbor and where it is in East Lansing, at least for the basketball program. They just haven't been able to do it. Um, But I I think sports fans of both states are, are so very similar. Um, that you know, I, I, and from an NBA standpoint, I think the Bucks want to get to where the Pistons were—the Bad Boys and Chauncey and Rip—and and those teams back in 2006. I think that's where the Bucks want to get at some point. Is to say, hey, all right, we're with the NBA league. We can hang a banner that doesn't have Oscar Robertson and, and Kareem Abdul Jabbar's name on it. They they want to join that party too. And what sucks is this pandemic canceling the season. Bucks had the NBA's best record. They had the MVP who is probably going to win the MVP again. Who knows if we're going to get an NBA season now. So I, I know there's a lot of disappointed the Lockie Bucks fans uh, because they got shut down by the Raptors last year in the Eastern Conference Finals and the expectation was to take that next step.
0: No, I really hear that. Like, uh, you know, here it's like the Pistons season was over a long time ago, and, the you know, the Red Wings had, had clinched the number one overall spot. The Tigers were coming off a 114-loss season, and while we would all like to have sports back here, it wasn't like every day people were just waiting for that night in the particular games, but uh, I certainly would if it was the Greek freak and uh, the playoffs were getting ready to go. I, I would be all into that. I'm interested, uh, now that you've been away from Detroit, uh, you've you, you've seen the Lions. You know the Lions. You know the situation. You know the ownership. You know the quarterback. You know all of it. And then you've been in some places here that have actually, you know, had some 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 greats from Favre to Rodgers and you know now Mahomes. Just how do you view the Lions from afar?
1: I talk to my dad, and my dad still lives in Plymouth, uh, in Michigan, and I talk to him often, especially during the football season. And he is my dad is the biggest Matt Stafford fan. And I, I, I don't know where everybody stands on Matt Stafford. The guy puts up tremendous numbers. He's been a warrior up until this year with when the back finally gave out. And I look at the Detroit Lions, and until, it, I mean, you know how it is, Dennis, 50 plus years until you're proving anybody wrong for doing anything. Well, build a And, oh, I those.
0: Yeah, I'm going to jump in on you with one second, Mike. You know, we went 20 plus minutes, and it wasn't until you started talking about the Lions that your phone had a little bit of hiccup there. It's kind of, I, I don't think that was a coincidence. No, I, I, yeah, you're coming back, uh, you're coming back a little bit. Uh we'll see. Like give me that final thought there on the Lions again. We'll see if you're back.
1: They the Vic
0: They Yeah, you're saying they're great. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, Mike. Trisha, what's going to happen? Oh, there you are. Yeah, you know what? You hit that lull again. You hit that. You hit that lull again. It might just be the, the writing on the wall, and to to say, will we'll try to do this again. I certainly appreciate your time. I'm going to talk a little bit about the the Lions coming up, and uh, one day we'll we'll talk about the Wolverines and, and how you view them. Might be uh, uh, an interesting conversation when you were there, kind of, you know, through a lot of the heyday, Mike. Appreciate your time, all the best to you, and uh, and take care of yourself. Thanks for doing this, and thanks for helping me with some of the ins and outs of, of podcasting at the beginning when I had absolutely no idea of how to get it going.
1: Always here for you, Dennis, and uh, I had to explain to my wife why your nickname was Fat Rack, so <laughs> good to talk to you, my friend.
0: And you came back strong there at the end. It just had something to do with the Lions. When you went to the Lions, your phone just <laughs> went completely out, so, you know, hey, that wasn't me. That wasn't me, or, or running any kind of game. Hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, take care of yourself. See you Dennis. All right, there he is, Mike Wickett, joining me here. And yeah, I mean, I apologize for what happened there with the phone at the end, but it it, it was a little bit of a, a coincidence or no coincidence when you start talking about the Lions. Here you go, and you know the phone kind of craps out. I kind of it it totally did. Well, that gets us to. A couple things, NFL wise, and uh, and Lions wise. Uh, a couple nates. You had Nate Davis from the USA Today, and if you don't know the backstory on Nate Davis, if you're a Lions fan and you're listening, you absolutely know it. Last year, Nate Davis, who writes for the USA Today, he put out his predictions for the NFL season, and for whatever reason, there's there's some things in the media that just that, that work better. Everybody does predictions, but but Nate. You know, lays it all out there and, you know, has the nice graphics and everything and, and makes his picks. And then last year, they picked the Lions to go 3-13. And and, and and it was like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy is just an absolute hater. I mean, these are what a lot of people said. When I looked at it myself, I was somebody at this time last year that predicted the Lions to start 0-5, which I amended, but I had them as a six-win football team. And, you know, I, I'm not – uh, a, a pessimist or an optimist. I'm trying to be a, a realist when I pick the Lions' season. That's how I, that's how I felt at the time. Uh, and I, I did end up when the season started uh, amending. Uh, I thought the lions were going to beat the Cardinals and I thought they were going to beat the chargers. So I didn't think they were going to start 0 and five, but that Nate Davis prediction of three wins got a hell of a lot of traction, at, at this time last year, and then it turns out that that Nate was was uh, <laughs> you know almost bullseyed it with his prediction. Now to get to the predictions this year, he just had him uh, come out here this week is uh, Nate Davis his uh, 2020 NFL projections, and you know what? I'm looking at the bottom of the NFC North, the record three and thirteen. Can you believe it? No, you probably can, but he does not have the Lions logo next to it. He has the Chicago Bears at three and thirteen. Do I think that's Do I think that's real? I think that's uh, I think that's a heck of a way down there, and I think that the Lions uh, are going to leapfrog the Bears this year. So uh, I, I I know where he's coming from, looking at a three and thirteen Bears season. He has the Lions going seven nine. Vikings nine and seven and Pack ten and six. Now this seems very reasonable. If you're in Chicago, you might not think that way, but look, Trubisky has been a disaster except when he plays Detroit, and has Nick Foles played an entire season? Uh, when's the last time he was able to do that? So they've got question marks uh, at quarterback and at running back, and I know the Lions have a lot of question marks uh, too. So I'm just you know talking about the standings here and while i have the lions 9 and 7 i still think that you know they're going to be right in there with with minnesota you know whether they tie or whatever else for for second place but uh, i'm going to have green bay win in the nfc north as well just looking at some of the other projections here out west out west uh the cards with a a 6 and i'm sorry the the rams with a 6 and 10 record uh, that's that's not good news for a team that's and Sean McVeigh a couple of years ago that everybody wanted Sean McVeigh as their head coach. That would be an extremely disappointing result. as I look at their logo, the LA Rams, that new Rams logo, which really jumps out. But up at the top, the the 49ers, 12 and 4, and you know the 49ers with with Shanahan went to the Super Bowl last year, and you know, they really do the the system that they have in place there. The kind of off season they had with their with their draft, uh, I, I like the 49ers to win the West. Uh, the, the South, it gets to the the Saints and Bucks, and you, you know you've got a Brady and Breeze there who are going to meet in Week One. You know I picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl last year, and then they lost the the game to the Vikings. Uh, of course, a very disappointing result there. Uh, I'm not going to pick the Bucks to win that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the uh, I'm gonna pick the Saints as well. In the NFC East, I know it's not going to be the Redskins or Giants, so it's going to be between the Eagles and Cowboys. You know what? Considering uh, Dallas here and that explosive offense and, and Philly, they are going to be fighting it out. But I, I would tend to agree with Nate Davis and go to the Cowboys with a wild card coming from the Tampa Bay Bucks. I could see that myself. And uh, I'll differ from uh, Davis saying that the the Seahawks would get that other wild card. Now, just looking at the AFC East before we hit, hear a little bit from uh, Nate Burleson on just the Lions' identity here. You know, the, the Chiefs, Nate Davis has the, the Chiefs at 12-4. and four. You know It's hard to argue with the Chiefs being up on the top there of the AFC West. The uh, Broncos are improved, Raiders a little bit as well. Chargers with question mark at quarterback there with a rookie and Tyrod Taylor, uh, yeah. I mean it's going to be the Chiefs. That's easy. Do I think the uh, the Ravens are going to win the North? I do, I do. I think when you get stung like they did in the in, after having the great regular season that Lamar Jackson and everything had last year, do I think the uh, the Ravens are going to come back hungry and focused? Uh, I do. I disagree with Davis. He has the Steelers at 11 and 5. I think the Browns, who I picked last year to to win the North, I think they'll I think the Cleveland Browns will give the Ravens the biggest challenge there in the North. In the South, I don't like uh you know Philip Rivers at quarterback for the Colts. I'm not buying that. So the the Titans at 9 and 7 and the Texans at 8 and 8 I, you know what? I would pick the Titans to win the South and then the AFC East, not the Patriots, not the Dolphins, not the Jets, but the Bills atop of the AFC East. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go way down to, I'm going to go way down to the Jets and I'm going to pick the Jets who Davis has in the basement to win the AFC East. So mark that down where we're at right now with predictions my long shot the jets to win the uh east and if i had to pick super bowl to pick the super bowl right now uh it'd be between the ravens and chiefs i think that's easy Uh, like if you're going to pick somebody else i i can't see it being another team i think it's going to be one of those two and then the uh, nfc going back to the the saints and 49ers i'm going to Go with the Saints again, man. Back to the well, Saints and and give me, give me the Ravens, Ravens and and Saints in the Super Bowl. That's how I see it. Well, good morning football. You know, there's there, there's one thing about the Lions over the years and just interviewing athletes and everything else. Most of the time, when you're interviewing athletes, I would say that you're just getting sound bites, and a lot of the times. Guys don't want to talk, especially after games. Or uh, Sometimes you can get them in, 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 in good spots. But there are some guys, when you hear them talk, you're just like, wow, man, this guy not only gets it, this guy's thoughtful. This guy is somebody that you, you want to hear from. Uh, over the years, Golden Tate was uh, was one of those players. Glover Quinn. Uh, Rob Sims, who played on the offensive line, I'll give him a shout-out. I would talk to him a lot. He would take any question from you. It didn't matter, man. Bring it on. He would answer it. But Nate Burleson, there was nobody that you, when you talk, you didn't have to, you didn't have to be somebody that was asking a great question or anything. Nate just took the ball and he knew, uh, and, and he knew what to say. And it was fun hearing from him. And it's no surprise that he went on to, to work in the TV. And I'll tell you what, with the Monday night football team, Uh, Being opened up, the broadcast team there, they could do a lot worse than putting Nate Burleson in there. I know they're looking for Drew Brees, and they're looking, but that's the guy, Nate Burleson, who I would pick to be up in that Monday Night Football booth uh, for ESPN. But Nate Burleson on Good Morning Football, that's a great job. That's a great show. You're a football fan. You love that show, but they put a graphic up saying NFC North burning questions heading into 2020 and Burleson went in and started talking about the Detroit lions. We'll play a little bit and I'll interject.
2: That has always focused on the past game. Right. Um, and you know, since Calvin Johnson left, they've been um, a team trying to figure out what their identity is. And for the last four years, since we've been doing the show, we've been waiting for the running game to just.
0: Well, yeah, we have been waiting for the running game. I'll just jump in there with Nate. Like when when Jim Caldwell, and I like Jim Caldwell, I thought he was the best coach he in my lifetime which goes, uh, I'm going to be 50 next month. He's the best coach. But Jim Caldwell never had a running game.
2: Take shape, just a little bit. I mean, they've been struggling with the running game since Barry Sanders retired, and that is no exaggeration. Just trying to find consistency over the years. Um, the last 1,000-yard rusher, I believe, was 2013, Reggie Bush. That was the team I was on,
0: so we know how long ago that was. <laughs> it, it, it is amazing. When you think about the Lions' running game, and it's not for lack of them not trying with different backs and even – succeeding with some of those. You think the start of the season that Javid Best had and how the Lions looked that particular year, and then he got hurt, but, uh, you know, here they are with a tandem of backs. Here's more, Nate. And I think they're finally starting to fix it. on Johnson, he showed
2: some moments where he did some good things. He got banged up, but what they did in the draft, that was great for them to go get DeAndre Swift. I mean, he comes from that, that cloth. You know, he comes from that, that Georgia running back pedigree. You know, Nick Chubb, immediate impact. Sony Michelle, immediate impact. Mm-hmm. Todd Gurley, immediate impact. I mean, people love DeAndre Swift. They 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 love the name. They love the way he ran. Um, so it was almost like him falling to 35 was great. It was-
0: well, it was like uh, I like the selection myself. Uh, I get when you look at a at a school and one position that produces, in this case, great running backs, awesome running backs. I mean, Chubb has the potential to be great. Michelle's good. You know, he is pretty good, and both of those guys uh, were exceptional right off the bat. It's always one of those things, though, that doesn't mean swift, and I know Nate means that, but uh, Nate knows that. But you do see swift, and you just start thinking – uh you, you, you do think about running back you. It was, it was
2: the football gods blessing the Detroit Lions. And if you look at the, the amount of wear and tear that some running backs have versus DeAndre, he doesn't have it. You Look at a guy like like Jonathan Taylor who came out of Wisconsin, who's one of our favorite guys. He's pro-ready, big, fast, strong, durable. But he has 926 carries. That's almost 1,000 carries in college.
0: My guy, DeAndre Swift, 440 carries in college. So- well, you know, it's, it's the best point there and a lot of good points by Nate Burleson it was the one thing Jonathan Taylor fumbled the ball a lot at Wisconsin fantastic running back but how many carries that the the workload and with DeAndre Swift you're just thinking the the freshness and his ability to catch the ball i think that that Taylor ultimately will be fine being able to catch the ball but but Swift can catch it he doesn't have a whole lot of carries on him and it, and it is a nice situation for what the Lions have.
2: Because he had to share the backfield, he didn't get that wear and tear. And I do feel like he's going to make an immediate impact. And as much as Matt Stafford loves to drop back and throw the ball downfield, at this point in his career, he would love to just go through his progressions and check down. He would love to to line up his running backs up against linebackers and safeties and, and utilize the nickel and dime in between the
0: hashes and kind of matriculate the ball. Bo- you know what I mean. So <laughs> Yeah, I do know what he means. And Matt, Matt Stafford and Daryl Bevel, when they brought in Daryl Bevel and it was like, hey, he's gonna to go to a running game. People initially freaked out. A a running game is a quarterback's best friend. When you look at the teams that make the the playoffs every year, the vast majority, uh, two years ago, uh, every team except one, every one of these teams that are getting into the playoffs, you look up towards the top of the uh, rushing totals in the NFL, and it's always the playoff team. So, yeah, you want to be able to run the football.
2: I feel like this combination of running backs, Mm -hmm. along with the wide receivers and tight ends they already have, let me just make the statement the Detroit Lions could have the best running game in the NFC North uh, for a team who hasn't had one in quite some time. And I, and I am I am a, a firm believer in the fact that what they're building is yeah. going to show us that this season. I get it. Minnesota has Dalvin Cook. I get Aaron Jones was unbelievable last year with the Packers. And the Bears, they got some guys that can make some dance. plays. But I feel like the Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions are going to do it
0: this year and be the best running game in the North. All right. So there he is, Nate Burleson. And when he talks, I listen, I – the lions with the the best group of running backs in the NFC North. So the Packers Aaron Jones had 19 total touchdowns last year. 19. That was that was Aaron's team, not Aaron Rodgers. That was Aaron Jones's team last year. He did score a couple touchdowns in the in the playoff win that he had at home there at Lambeau as well. Aaron Jones did. And they drafted a guy in the second round who is a uh, is a powerful beast of a back and AJ Dillon out of BC took him in the second round. Big surprise, especially when you're considering Aaron Jones uh, is a is, is an Aaron Jones. AJ Dillon is a is a carry on Johnson. DeAndre Swift ready to to say that you know that they're going to be better. It's is it a stretch? Is it a possibility? I would say that it's a possibility, but. You know, I, would I rather have uh, Aaron Jones proven, A.J. Dillon, a uh, fine prospect over Carrion Johnson, who looks pretty good if he can stay healthy? This is kind of the theme almost anytime you're talking about any football player if they can stay healthy. But yeah, if Carrion and DeAndre Swift can split the carries there, I think the thing is, is, they can match up. They can match up with what the Packers have. Can they match up with what the Vikings have in De- Delvin Cook? Now, he got banged up for a little bit last year. He ended up playing 14 games. The two previous years were cut short with injuries. You remember the one against the Lions, but, you know, Delvin in the playoffs, he almost had 100 yards against the Saints. He had two scores in that in that upset win on the road there for the Vikings. And you know what? Alexander Madison was a third-rounder that's going into now his second year, a third-rounder two years ago for the Vikings. And the word out of Minnesota, Minneapolis, is that they love that guy never really did get a chance to show what he could do there but that's a pretty good tandem what they have in Minnesota. I am ready to say that the joystick uh, Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery who was a third round back for the Bears who was a rookie last year. Yeah, I I like if you're going to tell me hey, do you like Kerryon Johnson and Deandre Swift over those two? I do. Uh do I like him over Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison? You know what? I it's just like with the Packers. I think they can match up now. And if you want to tell me like like um Nate Burleson is telling me that they're going to be that they're going to be the best tandem in the, in the NFC North. You know, I could buy that a little bit. I'm not ready. I like I would pick Jones and Dylan myself, but um, it's nice to, it's nice to have the conversation. It's nice to hear some people saying some good things about the lions and them in with a chance with a running game. And you know how many times if we were just if I would just think about things that people said about Matt Stafford over the years, in the top 10 certainly would be, where would he be with a running game? Now, where would he be with a defense? Where would he be with a head coach? Where would he be with a lot of things? Offensive line, where would he be with a running game is in there. I would say maybe even in the top three. There's, there's, there's been a lot. Remember when, when carry on finally – Went over 100 yards. Remember that stretch of games? You heard Nate Burleson talking about last time they had a a 1,000-yard rusher. I mean, the running game, heck, I might be able to talk myself into that being the number one thing people say about, hey, but Matt Stafford, what about this? What about a running game? So health and a running game, that would be something to at least look forward to here in the spring. And, heck, Nate Davis – has the Lions winning four more games than he had predicted uh, last year, having them at seven and nine. All right. Thanks to Mike Wicket. Good morning, football. The great show with uh, Nate Burleson there for their audio. And Nate Davis for always making his picks here in Maine, giving us something to talk about. That's going to do it. Let's give Mike Wickett a round of applause. Can I do that? All right. Everybody have a great day. Talk to you soon.